Well, I'd love to welcome you in the room. Also, welcome those who are with us online. Can we give it up for them, y'all? This is crazy. Come on. Welcome, welcome, wherever you're watching from. Man, we've got college students from Purdue, people from Indiana Westland, people from different states, different countries. And so it's amazing to, to see y'all in the house, but know that this is a much broader movement, the For the One movement that God is leading. Amen? Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I just want to direct your attention to this. These white cards are on your way out by those two black boxes. If you are brand new to One Church in the house, grab one of these. Write your name on it, social security, address, everything. I need to stop making that joke. That's, that's ridiculous. But no, I'm, I'm not serious. But please let us know your contact info so you can drop it off in the black box. If you're with us online, reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, direct message us so we can get in touch with you. You also, if you're in the house, probably got these two booklets. This is our For the City booklet, the one that's in blue and the Leaving a Legacy 2023 year in review. I would just encourage you, you and your spouse, your family, take this home, you and your friends, whoever you came with, just look this over, pray about it, see how the Lord is continuing to lead you to be involved in one church. But I want to also direct your attention to the screen. We have one step after service, and we are serving BB Bop. So if you are brand new to one church, I would love to meet you after service. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but the Super Bowl doesn't start till like 6.30. So join us for lunch. We're serving BB Bop, gluten-free, dairy-free, everything free. And we'd love to meet you genuinely You'll get to meet others that are brand new to the church, and we are a family here, so we would love to hear your story, share a meal with you. That is right after service today, and we are in a series that we are calling For the City, and this began with the initiative that we are moving into the Westfield YMCA that is under construction right now. We broke ground, should be done by December of this year, and we should be doing our grand opening in January of 2025. We are on schedule but we are taking this heartbeat to say we are not only for the one, somebody say for the one, but we're for the city. What does that mean to be for the city? That doesn't mean we support everything our city does. That doesn't mean we're crazy about everything the world does. What we're saying is God has sent us into the city in love to be salt and to be light. And I want to read a passage of scripture that comes from Colossians chapter 4 with you all. And I'd love to pray before we dive in. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, we love you. We worship you. We exalt you, Jesus. We thank you that your word, Lord, is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to pierce the very thoughts of our heart and our mind. Jesus, on this Super Bowl Sunday, we declare your King Jesus. Lord, and we, we love sports, we love watching, it's fun, but at the end of the day, the greatest prize of all is the crown that you will give to those who follow you, Jesus. So we say you're king, but Lord, we want you to be king of our lives. So Holy Spirit, would you breathe upon this time? Hide me behind your cross. I pray that your word would speak boldly, clearly. God, we'd be eternally transformed. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said amen and amen. Colossians chapter 4. This is a New Testament letter. This scripture was actually read over my ordination, so it's a special passage to me when they gave me my Bible, ordained me as a pastor in the Wesleyan denomination. By the way, shout out to my Wesleyan friends. I don't know if you know much about the Wesleyans. Go look them up, the Wesleyan denomination. Man, they are some of the most down-to-earth, amazing, spirit-filled, 
awesome people on the planet. There's a whole network of Westland churches, leaders. I went to a Westland college that invested in me. Westland Mentors, 12 Stone Church is the largest Westland church in the world. They are our main church partner down in Atlanta, Georgia. So can we just shout up our whole denomination one time? Come on, thank you, Westlands, for everything that you're doing with us. And uh, even our own treasure, Kevin Batman, is the CFO of the Global Westland Denomination. So shout out Kevin Batman. Yes, his last name is Batman, if you're wondering. Yeah, that's a real thing. Don't make me make a, a Robin dad joke right now, all right? Colossians chapter 4, they read this passage of my ordination, special passage, but this, this passage, they believe Paul's writing this from jail, the prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, and in the book of Colossians, Paul is addressing several different things. One of the things that he's addressing is that Jesus is king. Colossians chapter 1 is all about the supremacy of Christ. Everything was made by Christ, through Christ, for Christ. You go on to Colossians 2, chapter 3, he's talking about addressing different things of false teaching. Make sure that you're not believing everything that you hear, believers, followers of Jesus out on the internet, right? And then Colossians chapter 4, he begins with this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with Salt. Let's just read that again together. Season with salt. Let's, let's read that again. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Speaking of being seasoned with salt, I don't know what your go-to Super Bowl snack is going to be tonight. I don't know if you don't care about the Super Bowl at all. But I want to show a picture on the screen for a second, okay? I want to know who I'm talking to. Because if you're going to have popcorn, okay, you could have any type of popcorn. You could have, who's like kettle, who's like, okay, I drown it in butter, just no shame, okay. Now let me introduce you to something, okay? Open up a whole new door for, for the joy in your life. Is jalapeno ranch seasoning. Seasoned with salt. I had some of this actually yesterday. Leanne's and I were spending some time with her parents. Shout out Kay and Louie probably watching online. And they just sprinkled a little of this on, or I sprinkled a little bit on to the popcorn that they made. And let me tell you, this is a, this is a game changer. But um, I don't know if y'all remember 2020 going all the way back. I remember when I got COVID in I think it was March or April, Leanne's and I got COVID, right as everything's happening, right? So you see everything on the news, and we're sick at the time. We're like, I don't know what's going on. Maybe we have this crazy thing everyone's talking about. And then our power went out. It was just kind of a wild time. But everyone can relate to the fact that, man, like, like your favorite snack, whatever you wanted, but you lost your taste. And that's a bummer, okay? That's a big bummer. You're like, Andy, how does this have to do with anything about anything? You're like, what? I promise, hang with me. I really do believe there are people today 
that they have had a bad taste of church in their mouth. Or they have had a dull experience with church. No flavor. They've met believers, but have they met followers? They've met religion, but have they met the flavor that only comes with the seasoning of salt from the Holy Spirit? So here's the title of the message this morning, Flavor for the City. Flavor for the City. I don't know what type of church you grew up in. I don't know that some people grew up in a church, maybe the pendulum was swung all the way over here, and it was heavy on the truth side. Heavy on truth, little grace. Repent, believe in Jesus, do good things, don't do anything stupid. Maybe that's the kind of church you grew up in. The all-truth kind of church. Maybe I'm talking to someone over here, right? And the pendulum kind of swung from my grandparents' generation all the way over here to, I mean, truth is kind of your truth is my truth, but now we kind of just do whatever we want because Jesus forgave us a lot of grace but little truth. Can I tell you that neither have the flavor of the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about. Here's the first point. Three things I want to unpack with you this morning from this text, and it's this. Jesus came full of, somebody say grace. Somebody say truth. John 1.14, the word became flesh. We believe Jesus is fully God, fully man. We believe at one church that Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. There's no other religion that will lead to heaven. It's just through Christ. We're very unashamed about that because Jesus was very unashamed, unapologetic about that. But I'm not talking to you all about a religion this morning. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. Like You could know a lot of information about God. You know, one of my favorite things, I love sports, is they're, they're in the interview afterwards, and they go, you know, what did you think about the game? When they first say, well, I want to thank the man upstairs, first of all, for giving me these God-given talents. Like, who's the man upstairs, number one, right? Um, but you know what I love is when the quarterback of the 49ers gets out there and says, my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way. He's the only way. All things were created by Christ, through Christ, for Christ. And Jesus came onto the scene and he addressed religion and he said, I'm coming full of grace and I'm coming full of truth. It's not 50% grace and 25% truth and a little bit sprinkled in here and there. It's not your truth is my truth. Jesus says, I'm fully grace and I'm fully truth. You don't get to pick or choose. So let me unpack this scripture with you a little bit more. Grace without truth, I think, you tend to see in this text, it's too much salt. Truth without grace, it's too bland. I want to show you a passage of scripture, Luke 15, 1 through 2, really shows the heart of our Savior. Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the ones that thought that they had it figured out. You ever met someone that just acts like they're holier than thou? Like, you'll get there one day to be on my level. And it just gives you a bitter taste in your mouth, right? You're like, if that's what Jesus is about, I don't want anything to do with that. But that's not the heart of Christ. Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. He came actually humble, meek, lowly, full of compassion. Before he sent the disciples out, it says that Jesus looked upon the crowds, not with this arrogance, this boastful attitude, like, get on my level. He looked upon the crowds with what? Compassion. And he saw that they were sheep without a shepherd. And the Pharisee says, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. 
What is he doing? What is he doing associating with people like Lazarus, people like Peter, people like Paul, these people that would be uh, loud mouth, foul mouth, maybe smelling bad, maybe low income, maybe prostitutes, tax collectors. And I remember being in Salt Lake City this past year, February of 2023, and I saw this guy, he was wearing a headset, he was a street preacher. I'm not, I'm not against all street preachers, all right? So don't take me out of context. But I think there's a better way to do it, maybe. And he's just shouting at people, just reading the word out loud, just shouting at people. And, you know, you just don't see anyone really stopping, maybe a couple people. And God works through different methods, so don't hear me. We're married to the message, not the method, okay? So I'm not trying to hate on a method. But you know what I think? Church, I think this is so true. I think that we, we actually do this. We judge others for sinning differently than we do. We pick our favorite sins. Come on, let's go there. And we will talk about sexuality and identity all day long, why we are cheating, manipulating, and abusing people behind closed doors. Let's go there. We pick our favorite sins. We want to talk about different movements, different lifestyles, and we believe in the Bible. We believe that God has a very clear understanding of gender, identity, sexuality, yes and amen. But Jesus came full of truth, and he came full of grace. And here's the interesting part about Jesus. Is he was either too much grace for the Jews or too much truth for the Gentiles. That both sides ended up not really liking Jesus in some way. Because the woman that's caught in adultery, Jesus comes up and says, hey, religious people, the first one that's without sin, you be the first one to cast the stone. One by one, they all leave. Too much grace. But then he comes to the Gentiles and he says, pick up your cross and follow me. And they're like, Jesus, this is way too hard. This is too hard of a teaching, John chapter 6. And they desert Jesus and they leave. He's too much truth or he's too much grace. We want to box Jesus into our ideology, our political campaign, but Jesus is too complex. He's too compassionate. He's too much Lord. He's too much Savior that we can't box Jesus in. And he walks the narrow path, the path that people don't want to go because to walk the narrow path, you can't just pick a campaign. You have to talk to people. We need more conversations less presentations. And I'm very fired up about this because I care about people and there have been so many Facebook posts. Well, I believe this, I support this. Really? When's the last time you had a conversation with someone who was struggling in that? I'm dead serious. We judge others for sinning differently than we do. Romans 3.23 is really clear. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We're all broken. This is, this is not a place where we all come together to feel better about ourselves. Like, like we're, we're coming here to church to say, Lord, I want you to convict me and reveal the sin that's in my life because I know that there's not one that's perfect except you. So we're, we're, we're all growing together. I love what this passage of Scripture says, Matthew chapter 7. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I wonder how many Bible studies we have going around America right now, and it's holy huddles just talking about their favorite sins. 
when we could be out in the city talking to people, forming relationships with them, and helping being a, what James chapter 1 says, a listening ear, not a talking mouth. But to go there, church, you got to be able to live in the deep end. This, this is not shallow water type conversations. If you want to live in the shallow water, then just pick a, pick a movement, pick a campaign, and get behind that. But when you want to live in the kingdom, you got to, you got to know what people are going through. you got to know why they're going through that. Well, why are they acting like that? Have you asked them how their parents raised them? Have you asked them? Have they had an abusive dad previously? Have you asked them, were they raped as a little child, and they don't know their gender, their identity now because they've been so manipulated, so contorted? Have you asked them, church? Because Jesus wants to put the heart back in his church. Jesus wants to see a church that's on fire to go reach the lost. And can I tell you, as someone that spends a lot of time with people outside of the church, they don't need all of our presentations. They don't need all the Bible knowledge that you had memorized frontwards and backwards. They need you to listen and show them that you care enough to ask them and show them that they're a person, not a project. They're not a project to be fixed. They're a person with stories, with scars, things that people have said about them, things that people have done to them. But here's here's the catch. You ready? This is where the enemy wants to plant us in one or two camps. We either condemn or we compromise. Both are wrong. The enemy will paint a picture. One, we stand on the street corner, repent, repent, repent. And yes, yes, yes. But it's by his kindness that leads us to repentance. You know that? It's by his what? His kindness. Man, I wonder if if the world saw a church that was just more kind. Just more kind. We either condemn or we compromise. Jesus is so clear. I did not come to condemn the world. I came to save it. But then on the flip side, we compromise. And we start to play shopping cart Christianity, where we pick our favorite verses and get it to kind of believe what we want it to believe. And I love this about Jesus. Jesus is so clear, church. He says, come to me just as you are. But when you come to me just as you are, you don't stay where you are. So no matter what you're going through, whether it's a drinking addiction, whether it's we're trying to figure out our, our, our gender identity, our sexuality, whatever that is, whether it's, man, I've been unfaithful to my wife, Jesus will leave none of us where we are. That's the good news. Because somebody prays, Lord, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms us, not from the outside in, from the inside out, by the renewing of our minds, that we're not the same person we were 10 years ago. Can I testify, church? 10 years ago, you know what I was doing? I was drinking to get drunk. I was addicted to pornography. But someone had enough grace to speak into me purpose while I was still living in sin. I would not be your pastor if it weren't for the Joe Snyders from Young Life. If it weren't for the people from Grace when I was a middle school student. I was just just being a kid, right? But someone had enough compassion to speak purpose into me while I was still living in rebellion. Mark 2, 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but 
sinners. Let's just show this picture up on the screen. Lighthearted moment. We just went real deep, real fast. Uh-oh. <laughs> Jesus said, I came uh, not for the healthy but the sick. I don't know why I'm trying to figure this out. I was sick so many times in 2023. I don't know. And Leanne's and I are trying to figure out, okay, like, well, like supplements, vitamins, you know, what do we need to do? Change our eating habits. Get, I think, like, we have two kids. You end up sleeping not that much with all that. But when you're sick, I don't know, like, like anybody ever go for the saltines or isn't just like, nah, like, I remember there was, there was a time last year I was so sick, and you, man, this is going to be a Gen Z reference, but it's that, like, sandy water, you know, that moment where you're just like, Leanza, I was so sick, and it's just like, you see that bag of saltines sitting on your nightstand, you're just like, Lord, if I could just, if I could just reach it. But Colossians 4, 6, right? But let your conversation be full of grace. Somebody say this, season with salt. It's season for a reason. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them, it's season for a reason. I don't know if you knew this, but number two is this. Jesus sat at more tables than he flipped. And we want to talk about the story of Jesus flipping the table, turning over the temple, calling out all the sin, calling out everybody. You know, Paul is really clear that we keep the church accountable. I don't hold the world accountable. But you start to read the New Testament, you understand, oh, I, I hold my brother and sister in Christ in judgment and accountability, but I don't cast the same judgment to someone that's a non-believer. Jesus sat at more tables than he flipped. That is a very powerful concept when you begin to think about that and you read the life of Christ. Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering all around to hear Jesus, verse 2. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, this man welcomes and eats with them. I love what uh, Wayne Schmidt says, the general superintendent of our West End Church. He says, he believed more lives have been changed at tables than temples. Some of the most powerful conversations A.W. Tozer says, man-made religion is all about filling a church building with people. But really, the gospel is about filling the people with God. Paul says it like this in Corinthians. Even though I'm a free man with no master, Paul is saying this. Even though I have freedom in Christ, I've been delivered there are some things that I could do. I could charge people for this. I could do this. And I have this freedom. We have this freedom in Christ. But he says this, I actually become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Paul lived his life on purpose. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those to follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though that I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law, and here's what happens, churches, when we begin to, everybody just say the word, contextualize. What, what, what Paul is saying right here is, I'm contextualizing my ministry. I don't preach to the Jews like I would to the Gentiles, and I don't preach to the Gentiles like I do to the Jews. Can I say, my, my messages that the Lord has given me for Westfield are very tailored towards this context. They're very different than how I preached at Ball State when I was a pastor there, because it was a different audience. Paul is saying, I'm contextualizing my, my message when I'm 
when I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ, but do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Verse 22, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find what? Common ground. I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything that I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. You look at the life of Christ, and this is true. Jesus contextualizes ministry. Jesus spoke to tax collectors as tax collectors. He spoke to fishermen as fishermen. He spoke to farmers as farmers. He knew how to speak the language, right? But watch this. Can you speak the language and stay set apart? A lot of us are filled with the world's language. And we're filled with it, Right? But the principle of the kingdom in this passage is, are you aware enough of what's going on around you with your coworkers, with your classmates, with your sports team, in your neighborhood? You know the language, but you're still, somebody say, set apart. And let me just declare this over our church, that, that, that we're in the world, not of the world. So the Lord has set us apart. It's Church Day Sunday. Come on, praise the Lord. But you ready? Can you wear the clothes and not become the culture? That's what Paul's saying. I wore their clothes. I knew what their conversations were like. I knew what they were interested in. I knew what they were probably going through. But God had set me apart from my mother's womb that I'm not in the world and I'm not of it. I am in it and I'm set apart. Verse 22. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone so that I can try to save some I've seen this over and over in, in, in the past few years of ministry all, that there's at least four things that break down common ground with people. One, music. Two, fashion. Three, sports. Four, if you don't like any of those things, food. We can agree on that. It's always funny when I'm on an airplane and someone asks me, what do you do for a living? Well, now I wear several hats, so it's like, which one do I want to share first, Right? But once they hear that you're a pastor, they're replaying everything they said back to you for the last three minutes. <laughs> everything they just ordered. Oh, you're a... It's like, nah, it's okay. Okay. But I want to show you a picture. Uh, this was a part of the ministry contextualization I was a part of before. This was at Ball State University for four years. I'm just going to say chirp, chirp in the name of the Lord. Come on. We fly, whoever from my Ball State. I got a couple Ball State students here with me. I think one of them at least. Abigail somewhere in the house. Come on. Okay, I don't want to point you out, but just did. Anyways, okay. This was one of our, our end of the year parties. And man, the Lord just moved like crazy, y'all. I share with you all that, that I, I have come from the party scene. I'm very unashamed about that because this principle has really set me free. Watch this. What the enemy intended to demoralize you with, God intends to contextualize you with. God will sometimes send you back to the same place that you fell into sin. God is so good, he's so kind that not only will he forgive you, but he'll also, once your character is ready, send you back to the same context 
you know the language. When I showed up to Ball State, I wasn't like, hey, you know, what, what do you guys do around here? Like, I knew what they were doing. It's called Funcy for a reason, all right? Muncie, Funcy, yes, okay. But can I testify that even with sports, one of the hardest points in my life, party scene sports, the Lord has used what the enemy intended for evil, and now he sent me back in contextualized, wearing the clothes, but you're not the culture. You know the language, but you're still set apart. Are you with me, church? So where, he, where is he sending you? Where did you come from? Where are your roots? Does God want to send you back into that place? For me and my story, my mission field has just been my backyard. I think too many times we think, I got to go on a mission trip on the other side of the world when the mission trip is your workplace, when the mission trip is your next door neighbor, when the field trip is going to your coworkers and just, hey, you don't have to slap them over the head with a Bible. Just invite them to lunch. Invite them into your home. Jesus, Matthew 5, 13, he says this, you're the salt, you're the what? You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Can I just encourage someone as we read that passage, don't let other people dim your light. Because some of you are so on fire for God, but then the moment you get back into that context, they ask you how you're doing, and it's like, man, don't dim your light. You might have friends around you that want to dim your light. Matter of fact, you might have family members that don't like how on fire you are for God right now, but can I tell you, be unashamed, be unapologetic. Time is too short to hide your testimony. Watch this from those who might judge you to miss those who might need to hear it. So many times before I post something on Instagram and Facebook, you hear the devil talking. Don't post that. What are they going to think of you? They're going to judge your motives. They probably will. You probably shouldn't post that. They, they're going to thank you out for this. And, and the Lord has had to remind me, Andy, don't listen to the fear of the enemy out of the fear of those who might judge it to miss those who might need it. Yeah, three or four co-workers might think you drank the Jesus juice, but what about the one that goes, man, that was for me. Thank you. Thank you for your obedience. So here's number three, fresh flavor. How do we actually get this flavor? It's from intimacy with Jesus. It's not a secret sauce. It's not a new church growth idea. Really, it's being on fire for Jesus. Fresh flavor comes from fresh intimacy. I love what St. Augustine says, an old church father. He says this, may God put salt on our lips so that we might thirst for him. That really, our witness to the world doesn't start out on the street corner. It starts in the secret place. That if I'm going to have to have eyes for the one horizontally, I have to first have eyes for the one vertically. The most powerful interactions I've ever had with people outside the walls of the church, it first started with a fresh encounter with the love of God. You know what the Lord is teaching me behind closed doors right now? 
over and over. I've just been reading 1 John. I've been trying to just memorize 1 John, 1 John, because the gospel is all about love. At the very end, Corinthians is really clear. You could say all these things. You could prophesy. You could speak in tongues. But if you don't have love, you're just making noise. We could shout truth all day long. We could post all of our Facebook posts about what we agree with, what we support, whose campaign we're behind. But if we don't have love for people, we're just a bunch of instruments making noise. The gospel, I cannot emphasize this enough, the entire Bible all comes back to love. The greatest of these is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. God is love. So, to actually begin to love others, I have to first receive the love of God for myself. You know that sometimes we're the most judgmental to others because we're the most judgmental to ourselves. That we're so perfectionistic with others because we haven't first received the grace that I am enough before Christ. So Colossians 4.2, it says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Todd White has a quote, he says this, what if we were so full of Jesus that we didn't have to sell our fruit, but people could just pick from it? I've never believed in the gospel being a sales pitch to someone. I've never believed our church should be a sales pitch online. You know, people would always tell you when you plant the church, what's your 30-second elevator pitch? You got 30 seconds with someone. How are you going to get their arm in the door? Can I just tell you, I don't believe in any of that. I really don't. Because if we're in a close, intimate relationship with Jesus, we're walking in obedience to him, we're fearing God, we're walking in the word, the Lord will bring the right people. Funny picture, you know what sets the foundation for the popcorn that we made right here, okay? Might not believe it. Don't you love this like creative picture? I didn't make that picture, Google Images, didn't make that on Canva, if it's like, oh wow. But Leanne's his dad. We made the popcorn yesterday. He starts it off. He's like, hey, just do a layer of the coconut oil, and then boom, sets the foundation and everything. And but I want to tell you a difference between two things when it comes to us being a witness in the world. There's a difference between these two words. You ready? Talent and oil. Because a lot of us try to go out into the world and tell them that Jesus died for them. Well, Andy, why am I not seeing any results? I'm, I'm trying to tell my friends. I'm but it's only by the empowerment, the anointing, the oil of the Holy Spirit that will begin to bear fruit in your walk. A lot of us are living like Acts chapter, I think it's 19, where they come to the disciples and they go, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Who's Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is Jesus' personal presence with me on the go. Holy Spirit is my comforter. He's my counselor. I talk to him all day long and we believe in the gifts. We believe in tongues. We believe in prophecy. So, so we're entering into our gifts and we're just walking close with him, not knowing about God, but knowing him intimately. Spending time with him as a, not only judge, but father and friend. It's the oil that we have to pray for. Say, Father, I need the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of people go out and try to share their faith without bringing Holy Spirit with them. And they have no fruit. It's because Holy Spirit is the one Jesus says, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Holy Spirit, when, 
when you receive Christ, okay, you go back to that day, you said, Jesus, your Lord, your Savior. The belief in Scripture is that the Holy Spirit's deposited into your heart. Holy Spirit is in you for you. He's your comforter. He's your counselor. You're stressed about that test. You're going through grieving. The Holy Spirit will comfort you, counsel you. He's in you for you. But watch this. The Holy Spirit is upon you for others. So we pray, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh till I'm overflowing. This is what set Peter apart, right? Peter, think about Peter, the one who cut the dude's ear off. Yes, the same guy goes from coward, denying Jesus three times, to filled with the Holy Spirit, testifying that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that he redeemed his life. He went from slave to free. But watch this. It's not by your talent, your emotion, your intellect, your education. It's all by the oil. It's the oil that actually brings flavor back into it. So let me explain it this way. A lot of us, we want favor without flavor. God, can I just get blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings? I want your hand, but I don't want your face. That's going to take a moment to sink in for a second. God, can I get more blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings? But, but intimacy with you, I'm going to kind of keep you at a distance. This is when we pray for miracles, but we want no intimacy with Jesus. This is where we actually prostitute the gospel for our own prosperity and say, God, I'm only going to tithe as long as it comes back to me a hundredfold. There's no flavor in that. Other way, formula without flavor. You know what formula without flavor is? It's rules without relationship. Rules without relationship is legalism. And God told me in my quiet time very clearly, he's coming to set some people free from religion this morning. That you grew up under A plus B equals C. I do good, God likes me. I don't do good, God hates me. You're living under the yoke, the heavy yoke of religion. You're living under what the, the Bible will call the law. But Paul's really clear in the New Testament. I don't live under the, I live by grace through faith now. I live in grace where obedience is not an obligation. Yes, it is an obligation because Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but it's also an opportunity. Look at what Paul says. Don't you realize in a race that everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it all to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Can I just say this? The Super Bowl is great, but, but all that's going to fade away. We run our race for an eternal prize. Paul says, I fix my eyes. I forget what's behind. Yeah, I know I, I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm living in progress of the sanctification of my life. So I, I fix my eyes on the author, the perfecter of my faith with a great cloud of witnesses. And he says this, so I run with what? With purpose. With purpose. I want to show a picture of, of this dude right now. This dude is living on purpose. And what's so amazing, let me just tell a story. I'm, I'm at, a, I'm at a, a resort, actually, in Orlando, Florida, last January. Me and my wife were there. We brought our, it was just Aliana at the time, and, and we're there. 
And I go to the bar, uh uh-oh, and I get a water, okay? Because the pool, can I just get a water? And I, I sit next to this guy, and he looks at my hat, and he goes, oh, he goes, are you from the West Coast? I'm wearing a Seattle, Seattle Supersonic, Supersonics hat. And he's like, you from the West Coast? No, no, blah, blah, blah. And, and we get talking, talking. Then Lienz and I actually invite him out to dinner. I'm not, you know, trying to figure out all of his secret sins so I can hit him with the Bible. I'm just getting to know him. I'm just asking him, you know, just loving on this guy. Literally just like, man, tell me your story. Like genuinely, I'm like, I'm, I'm interested. And I could tell at the time he may have been under the influence. And later on, we're talking to him and, and he starts telling us his story. And he goes, I actually used to go to church. And I said, well, where'd you used to go? He goes, I used to go to 12 Stone Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I about walked out of that place. I was like, so you're telling me I'm from Indy. You're from, I, I can't even remember where he's from. I think he's from the West Coast. But you grew up in Georgia. You used to go to 12 Stone and you walked away from the faith. And he was wearing a Grateful Dead hat, okay? I don't know a lot about the Grateful Dead, okay? But in that moment, Holy Spirit gave me a word for him. And I'll never forget this. I was looking at his Grateful Dead hat and it just came to me, I said, Bro, you know what the story about the gospel is? It's not about bad people becoming good. It's about dead people becoming alive. I looked at his hat, and we just got to share the gospel with him over a meal. We had an incredible relationship through that time, praying for him. And the Lord has just unlocked this, and I've shared this with you all before, but I want to help this unlock someone from the grips of religion. It's this, Jesus doesn't shame your passions. He gives purpose to them. You all, you might think this is crazy. Sometimes I pray about what hat to wear. Andy, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I believe God's in every single detail. You could say that's crazy. You could say, Andy, no, 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 no. I've seen, I've seen. The Lord is in every single detail. Paul says, I contextualize my ministry. I am not what I wear, the world that I live in, but I know the audience and I know the target place that God has called me. So I have to be, watch this, mature enough in the word of God, mature enough with my circle, mature enough in my walk with Jesus so that when I'm out, I don't bump into someone at Kroger like it's an accident. I know it's on purpose. Would you stand to your feet with me? I want to put up this phrase, family on mission. This is one church. Can I speak that over us? Our youth pastor, Caleb Stout, said this a few months ago, and this phrase has just been coming to my mind over and over, and I believe this, y'all, that God has set apart one church to be a family on mission. In the name of Jesus, let it be so. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, church. So would you bow your head with me? Father, we love you. We worship you. And we thank you, Lord, that while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. 
And so for the first response this morning, for anyone that says, I have not made Jesus Lord and Savior of my life, but today I want to be all in. I want to be all in for Jesus. I want to give him my heart, my whole heart, my life, everything that he's given to me, I give back to him. If that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand up in the air this morning? Any of those online? And let's pray this prayer out loud together. We are a family. Repeat this prayer after me. Father, forgive me for I've sinned against you. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for saving my life. I repent of my sin. I give you my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit until I'm overflowing. In Jesus' name. And with heads bowed for one more response to the believers in the room that say, you know what, Andy? I'm convicted this morning that I've got way too much grace or I've got way too much truth and I need the Lord. I need the Lord to show me what it's like to step out into the deep, to be full of grace, seasoned with salt to reach my neighbor. Would you just lift a hand right now? And Father, I just want to pray for all the followers of Jesus, the believers right now. Father, would you put salt on our lips, Lord, that we might thirst for you. Father, we pray right now as you're bringing faces of people to mind right now that do not know you. Holy Spirit, would you bring them to our hearts? God, we pray for their salvation right now, Lord. We don't want to live on accident. We want to live on purpose in every detail of our lives, Lord. So, Father, we pray for their salvation. We pray that you would water the seeds that have been planted. God, we pray you'd send more laborers. God, I believe this. You're unleashing your laborers into the harvest field. God, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. And you're knocking at the door, Lord. So would you empower us afresh. Lord, would you pour out your spirit. We ask for the oil, Lord. We ask for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Father. God, over our homes, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. God, over our marriages, we ask for the power of your Spirit. God, over our own hearts, revive our own hearts, God, that are, that are living in such dull faith. God, we need fresh flavor. We need fresh intimacy with you, God. Fan the flame. Fan the flame, Holy Spirit, so that we would shine so bright, so bright that it would be undeniable that Jesus is King. And it's in Christ's name, all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's lift a shout of praise to the Lord, the King above all kings. And this last song, we're, we're, we're praying, Holy Spirit, rest on us. Be the anointing oil fire in our lives so that we could be a light for you. Let's worship.